Hello and welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. I'm your host, Jonah Comstock, Editor-in-Chief at Pharma Forum, and today I'm joined by Mohamed Issa, Vice President of Commercial at U.S. Janssen Neuroscience. We're going to be talking about one of our favorite topics, innovation in healthcare and in pharma. Mohammed's going to tell us a little bit about the work that he's done at Janssen and some of the lessons that he's learned from that work about innovation, about mental health and uh, mental health inequities. And um, we're just thrilled to have you. Uh, th- thanks so much for coming on the show, Mohammed. Jonah, thank you so much for having me. And thanks to all the listeners out there. So um, introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us um, what you do at Janssen uh, Neuroscience and how you, how you got into this, this role in this, um, this world. Sure. Yeah. So I get the fortune of leading the commercial organization at Janssen Neuroscience, as you stated, which encompasses a portfolio of innovative medicines and solutions treating mental health and neurodegenerative illnesses. In summary, my role is to enable our commercial team to translate the innovative science we have into value that the healthcare ecosystem could appreciate. Um, We uh, uh, do this with uh, patients at the center, and we know that the work that we're leading um, uh, can meet some really bold patient and organizational goals that we've set for ourselves. Uh, How I got here, uh, my purpose is to save and sustain human life through healthcare innovation and to create more equitable health systems. Um, This stems from being trained as a scientist, uh, building an acumen over the years professionally around commercial strategy and operations, uh, and most importantly, experiencing firsthand, Jonah, uh, the lack of healthcare innovation and the lack of healthcare equity and what that can mean to families, both here domestically and really around the world. So that's uh, what wakes me up every day, and I'm fortunate to be leading a team that's uh, just as passionate as anybody I've seen in the industry to be able to do that. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about um, Janssen Neuroscience in particular. What, um, what are some of the products you guys have? Uh, what are some of the particular indications you're working on? Sure. So I think it's important just to note for um, uh, the audience here that Janssen is a part of the pharmaceutical companies of Johnson & Johnson. I know some may know that, but that's not frequently articulated. Uh, and as the world's most broadly based healthcare company, uh, within as as J and J, we're working hard to create a future where disease is a thing of the past. And then within Janssen, if you double click on that, uh, there are therapeutic business units that include things like oncology, immunology, cardiovascular diseases, infectious diseases, rare diseases, and then us here in neuroscience. And then within neuroscience, uh, we have a bold and ambitious goal to create a future where serious mental illness and debilitating neurological disorders are a thing of the past. We work hard to help heal minds and bodies, restoring hope for better lives. And we have a portfolio of transformational products that help us do that. I'm happy to tell you a little bit more about that should, should, should that be where the interest is. Yeah, well, let's, let's talk a little more broadly to, to, to begin with about... Um... You're, you know, I think innovating is at big pharma is always a, a challenge because at least this is what I hear from most people I talk to. It's a it's a risk averse industry. It's a, um, you know, it's heavily regulated, sometimes slow moving. Um, so I'd love to hear about kind of your, what your experiences have been have been like in, in trying to kind of do new things, bring bring about change in that kind of environment. 
I'll tell you, I think it's been much more palatable than people might give it credit for. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm extraordinarily optimistic about the innovation that J&J, uh, Janssen, Janssen Neuroscience in particular is bringing to the fold. And I also have to tell you, just watching the industry, healthcare in general, I'm extraordinarily optimistic about the innovation that um, uh, is occurring there as well. I'll tell you, um, our, our, our CEO, Joaquin Duato, um, calls our time today as a moment of opportunity. And I couldn't agree more. And I think given the recent pandemic uh, and the time we live, society is recognizing the value of health uh, while science and technology are advancing at an extraordinarily rapid pace. And I think the intersection of those trends is going to accelerate progress and innovation in health this decade alone, probably faster than the innovation we've seen over the last several decades combined. So um, I, I don't see it as hard to um, uh, maneuver, nor is it hard to progress. In fact, I think it's a wealth of opportunity. And then I think the last thing I'd say, Jonah, and, and I'd welcome your thoughts on this, is I think healthcare in general is ripe for innovation and disruption. Um, if you think about other sectors and how fast they've moved over the years and where healthcare is today, the experience um, and the, the speed by which healthcare has moved is arguably slower than others because of the things that you mentioned, maybe because of the limitations that might have been in the past. But I think now, given what uh, we're seeing in the overall society and appreciating overall health and seeing science and data and technology and artificial intelligence accelerate to the pace that it's moving, I think right now the intersection is really going to provide an innovation in healthcare that maybe we haven't seen before. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I think we're at a unique moment, um, partly because of of the COVID nineteen pandemic um, and what it has done, not just in a, in a healthcare sense, but also changed the way that we work, right? Um, and and kind of normalize these digital interactions that were a little bit of a harder sell before. But I also think that you know the the technology more broadly um, around things like drug development uh, has been advancing this whole time. And, um, and so, yeah, we're, we're definitely in, I mean, I think we're at some, in some sense in the 21st century, we're always in like a big moment of, of transformation in, in terms of technology, but it feels especially like that the last few years. I couldn't agree more, Joan. I'll tell you technology to your point is going to be foundational on being able to deliver new therapies and solutions to market. I mean, in early drug development, like you mentioned, increased insights into human genetics combined with artificial intelligence and machine learning can accelerate the discovery and development of new medicines. We now have genomic sequencing um, and large data sets and artificial intelligence and machine learning that allow us to create patterns in which we can actually start to correlate diseases with genomic profiling that allows us to find the underpinnings of a disease, per perhaps understand how to best uh, trigger specific targets against those diseases with our medicines, perhaps intercept them before they advance. Uh, and I'll tell you, I think there is an opportunity to make the clinical uh, development of uh, products and transformational solutions and really advance the science at record pace. And I think we've already seen elements of that uh, within even other therapeutic areas like oncology, for example, where we can identify biomarkers and specific targets where a, a drug can really attack and maybe intercept cancer before it even takes place. So innovation, I think, on the drug development side is pretty outstanding. 
But I'll tell you where my team and I focus is innovation as it relates to how we deliver healthcare, not just in drug development, but even just to market. My team is committed to understanding the unique needs and challenges of patients and providers that we serve. We work tirelessly to create and expand patient-centric solutions to provide value and improve overall clinical outcomes. And we're driving transformation through not only our innovative medicines and science, but also things like comprehensive patient support services, efforts to address health inequities, like you mentioned when you opened up the program, when we're looking at helping diagnose and treat uh, these, these debilitating diseases in areas that maybe have significant unmet needs. So let's talk about that a little bit, because I think mental health in particular has been even more interesting in the last few years, and, and I, I think that would include neuroscience, um, or there's, you know, a close relationship there. But, it, you know, there's there's obviously the pandemic, a lot of people being kind of forced to deal with um, their their mental health and, and you know, more free availability of telehealth has kind of increased that the demand for therapy and there have been technological efforts to increase the supply and sort of a generational um, move towards destigmatizing in mental health. But of course, I'm aware that that, um, that doesn't break down equally among kind of socioeconomic groups either, right? Some, the stigma is, is very much still stronger in some communities and populations than it is in others, and the access is, is lower in some communities than it is in others. Um, but of course, the, the prevalence of, of mental health conditions doesn't necessarily follow along those same lines. So what do you think the industry broadly needs to do? And, and what are you guys in particular doing to kind of try to make sure that as we move into this moment, which could be a real watershed moment in mental health care, that it, it comes to everybody equally? Wow. You touched on so many points there. Literally, there's so much to talk about. So let's start with um, the inequity piece, because I think that's extraordinarily important. And then if if we have some time, I would love to also have a discussion with you a little bit on um, how we're delivering uh, this care as well. But when we just think about inequities, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't start, Jonah, by just telling you, uh, when I was uh, about seven years old, my family immigrated from North Africa and we settled in Queens, New York. For those of you who are listening and if you're from Queens, shout out to Queens on the line. Um, but uh, mental illness wasn't talked about in my community uh, in Queens, where I was growing up, because of the stigma, exactly what you just articulated, associated, especially in communities of lower socioeconomic uh, privilege and in communities of color. Uh, personally, Jonah, two, two friends of my own that I grew up with later died of suicide. And while people attributed their deaths to violence and other external factors, I, I often wonder if things were different, if mental health was discussed and supported and was within reach, exactly like you said, it maybe outcomes could have been different. And having seen and experienced inequities like that in treatment firsthand, I'm, I got to tell you, I'm driven uh, by the opportunity to help eliminate these inequities and create more inclusive, inequitable health systems. That's, that's, that's a, a big part of why I wake up every day. And that's why I'm proud, I'll tell you, of the work that we're doing here at Janssen Neuroscience, where we constantly seek like-minded partners uh, and uh, those that want to make a difference in mental illness uh, for the communities facing these high degree of disparities. We partner with health advocacy groups, faith-based organizations, civic organizations, healthcare providers within multi-stakeholder coalitions to address these inequities. 
And with them, we drive change through increased community awareness, improved cultural appropriate care, and education on key issues. I'll give you an example. Um, as part of Janssen Neuroscience commitment to eliminating uh, health inequities, we've established uh, what we're calling a Community Health Equity Alliance. This collective um, group prioritizes community-informed solutions to effectively and meaningfully advance serious mental illness care at the local level in communities, not just at the macro level, and seeks to increase education, reduce racial bias, and improve culturally appropriate care. Uh, on the MS side, where we have a portfolio there as well, we partner with the National MS Society as part of our More to MS program to develop uh, uh, you know, public service announcements and guidebooks and documentaries to help educate and raise awareness and showcase the experience of the Black MS community. So to answer your question then much more specifically and maybe even more concisely, how do we do it? I personally believe to combat these disparities, we need to galvanize efforts across the country and the broader healthcare industry. As we continue to innovate, we must rethink how we connect with different patient populations and communities and consider healthcare as a basic human right, not just as a privilege to those who can have access to it. That's a great answer and, and so much really interesting work you guys are doing. I know that you know, most farmers are engaging in one way or another right now with DEI, as, um, it, it, but there are so many different ways you can do that, right? And some of them are, I think, more, um, more basic and reactive, and some are more proactive. So it's great to hear that you're not just focusing on, you know, making sure your clinical trials are diverse or, or that your leadership teams are, even though things like that are important, but really going out and saying, like, proactively, what, we, what can we do to improve life in these different communities, um, you know, as it, as it affects the, the areas that we're working in. That's really fantastic. Jonah, we are uh, absolutely obsessive here at Janssen Neuroscience and take a very patient-centric approach to all of our uh, services and solutions. And it's exactly what you said, right? You can certainly think about diversity in your clinical trials, which is absolutely needed and required you can think about diversity at your uh, leadership team level, which we do, and we're proud of the of the diversity uh, uh, that we have here. And I'm a byproduct of that myself. Um, but also thinking about how do we reach the patient at the local level? And we can't just operate at 10,000 feet. We have to get on the ground. We have to get into communities. We have to help those communities that need us the most. And I think not only are we prepared to do that, but but we're absolutely passionate and obsessive in 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 doing just that. So how would you kind of translate that into advice for other organizations that feel like they want to be doing more or you know are interested in in yeah really making sure that they're they're tackling some of these issues around where they are and what they do. I think you have to start and I'm sure most healthcare organizations do, right? By putting the patient at the center of everything that they do. And then specifically and meticulously assessing the patient journey end to end to better understand how they navigate the healthcare system so that we can do our part in removing friction points across that journey and help those that need our innovation and the science that we provide. And more importantly, meet patients where they are versus expect them to come to us. And different communities, different populations, different backgrounds all have a little bit of a different journey. And the more we can empathetically address that journey, 
the more we could certainly reach them and make sure that we're reaching populations that might have been underserved in the past. You know, I'll tell you, and, 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 and you touched on this earlier as well, this notion of innovation, right? Innovation comes in different forms. For example, and uh, the pandemic that, that, that we touched on earlier has caused for a dispersion of everything consumer-related directly into the home, right? So you think about where we consume work now, right? You and I are having this conversation in our home office, where we consume um, our, our, our consumer products. Uh, you know, they come to our doorstep. Media has changed, right? You think about the fact that patrons probably are watching more movies at home than they watch now in the movie theater, even though movie theaters are back open. I think people have just kind of realized, hey, maybe I, I consume this better here, right? Healthcare, by definition, is one of the biggest consumer products in the world, right? And we are working now to think about innovation there. How do we disperse healthcare and some elements of, of, of healthcare with some very specific diseases based on that patient journey and deliver patient care where the patient is versus where we expect them to be? And that may very well be in the home. And we have several programs, for example, where we're piloting and testing in market today that allow us to think about, again, meeting patients where they are and really putting patients at the center and, 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 and really think less about how and where healthcare has been delivered in the past. Awesome. Um, so as, as we're coming to the end of our time, uh, is there anything else you want to, I mean, we, we were going to maybe talk a little more about um, stigma around mental health. I, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and whether you agree with me that there's change happening or, or um, you know, what, what the industry can be doing around that. Yeah, I think it's very much what we talked about earlier, right? It's about just getting down to the community level, getting down to uh, the patient level and understanding uh, where and why conversations are happening or maybe where and why conversations are not. And then understanding that uh, those conversations are not best had or solved by any individual person or even individual entity, but it's going to take a collaborative effort because to reach those communities, you have to uh, 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 be with those communities. You have to be a part of those communities. You have to uh, have earned the trust and respect of those communities. And, 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 and the best way to possibly do that is, is through uh, uh, effective coalitions. I think the other areas that, that we might want to think about is addressing, um, you know, affordability solutions and affordability barriers, whether it be in uh, minority populations or whether it be in the broader populations. And here, for example, through Janssen Care Path, we help patients find the resources they need to get started on treatment and stay on track. That's uh, a resource that we're very, very proud of and we contribute, you know, heavily to. Uh, and then I would say at the end is where I, you know, started with you, you know, it all ends and starts with the patient. Uh, but we also have to take our, our providers into account, right? Our HCPs and our medical providers are on the front line developing uh, relationships and delivering this type of care. And for that, we also have to redefine how we engage with them in this 21st century and understand uh, how they want to receive information and even leverage technology in those interactions and data-driven insights in those interactions to help us better understand what individual HCPs need and how to best reach them with the right information at the time that they need it the most when they're caring for their patients. Let me throw one more thing at you before we go. Um, what are your thoughts about um, digital therapeutics as they relate to the mental health space? I mean, things like 
big health where they're really trying to, to scale mental health care by, to some extent, t- taking the the provider out of the picture and just using, you know, digital apps and, and kind of digital interactive devices, you know, to do some of the basic work of, um, you know, of, of therapy for, for some kind of common conditions. Do you think there's promise there? Is that something you guys are looking into? Um, do you have any cautions about that kind of approach? Yeah, look, I think, I think data and innovation and technology has its place, but I don't think it could replace the healthcare provider. I, there's a there's a reason why healthcare providers are trained the way they are. Uh, there's a reason why they have the aptitude and the experience that they have. It's because there are some things that robotics and data and machine learning could certainly replace. But I I just simply don't believe that the healthcare profession uh, in and of itself is that. Now, can we use those data? Can we use those applications? Can we use those technologies? to make our healthcare providers more efficient, to make the experience for patients more positive, to go from um, the retail experience, so to speak, at the doctor's office that's extraordinarily antiquated feel and look more like the experience that they get when they're not consuming healthcare products. Uh, You know, compare, for example, the experience we all get at a doctor's office versus the experience we get at an Apple store, right? It's fundamentally different. Now, can we use data and technology to make that experience more efficient, more effective, uh, uh, more, more, more palatable, more cost-effective? Absolutely. So, for example, you're never going to replace your ACL uh, if you're getting a procedure, uh, right, virtually. But you can maybe do the, um, you know, pre-work. You can do the, the, the physical therapy. You can do the med management. For neuroscience, for example, we're exploring technology solutions that could better help patients start and stay on their medicine to maximize positive clinical outcomes. Not only could these technology options help give patients the resources they need to stay on their medicine to make sure that they have the best possible results, but they can also help monitor patients' health and identify early indicators for patients, but most importantly, their healthcare providers around areas that they need to maybe intervene a little bit earlier. We're currently in the inception phase for some of these technologies, but as we develop them and as we envision them, we don't see them replacing the healthcare provider. We simply are envisioning a world where they can make that healthcare interaction that much more efficient for all parties involved, patients and providers included. Awesome. Um, Mohammed, uh, we're coming to the end of our time. I want to just give you a chance if there's anything we haven't talked about that you think is really important you want to share um, or emphasize amongst things we've already discussed. Um, but any final thoughts? My final thought is that I first appreciate you having me and for listeners out there that have taken their personal time to listen to the the discussion today, certainly appreciate that. I'll leave you with just uh, maybe um, uh, a bold um, and a little bit of an audacious ask uh, in that uh, if we all work together, uh, companies alike, uh, healthcare ecosystem alike, I am extraordinarily optimistic that we can leave healthcare better than we received it. And I think we've made progress towards that already. And I think the next decade will be extraordinarily telling. So let's just challenge ourselves to challenge uh, the status quo, ask ourselves why things are being done the way they are, embrace the advancement in science, embrace the advancement in technology, embrace the advancement in, in, in data, and have all of those things intersect uh, to a place where we're all leaving uh, healthcare better than we received it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Again, thank, as, as Mohammed said, thank you all for tuning in. 
Um, and yeah, I, I think we're, as we've said a few times now, at, in a really exciting uh, moment in, in healthcare in general, in particular um, around mental health. Uh, so I've really enjoyed chatting with you about some of the specifics on that, and I'll, I'll be excited to see um, how how that space progresses. Thank you so much, Jonah, for having me. That concludes this episode of the Pharma Forum podcast. You can find more information about this episode, including a download link and information about other installments in the series at pharmaforum.com slash podcast. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podme, where you can find and subscribe by searching for PharmaForum. And don't forget to visit our website, where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins, and to follow us on Twitter at at PharmaForum. Thanks for listening. Thank you.